Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Wednesday, February 19th, 2020. On today's episode, we're going to talk about the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Film Editor-in-Chief Peter Serretta. And joining me on this podcast is Slash Film Senior Writer Ben Pearson. Hey, what's going on? And writer Chris Evangelista. Hello, folks. Okay, we got a, a bunch of news to get into today. Let's start things off with Disney. The first time a live-action remake has gotten a PG-13 rating... Chris, tell us about it. Uh, yes, it's Mulan. Um, uh, up until now, all of these uh, animation to live action remakes that Disney have have has been doing, uh, they they've been getting PG ratings. The Lion King was PG, and the Jungle Book was PG, and so on and so on. And um, Mulan is changing things up a bit. It it, it now has a PG thirteen rating for uh, some violence. And um, sequences of violence, actually. And uh, this is kind of interesting. I mean, Disney has made PG-13 movies before. You know, the Pirates of the Caribbean movies were PG-13. But this is the first of of their animation remakes that's getting a PG-13. And uh, I think what makes this most promising is it's another another illustration of how the Mulan remake is not going to be just another shot-for-shot remake like the lion king was and beauty and the beast was like if you've seen the trailers you can tell you know the plot alone it seems a lot different and this rating seems to confirm that as well so uh i'm kind of interested i i like that this movie seems to be changing things up and it's trying to do something new i i I wish more of these disney remakes would do that yeah it it seems like the the past disney remakes have always gone for like a, a very accessible mass appeal the marketing for this movie feels more like something I would expect from, like, I guess, like a prestige, like a, a big, like, Fox Searchlight film or something. It, like, doesn't seem like the thing that would come from a Disney Disney animated remake. Uh, ben, does the PG-13 rating make you more excited to see this? Uh, I'm kind of mixed. I, I am excited because it looks like it's doing something a little bit different. Like Chris said, um, I think I'm more interested just from a business perspective that they would make this decision and, and what this decision might mean for future projects. Like if they're willing to go there for Mulan, that means that they could theoretically be willing to go there for future projects too. And, and, hopefully i guess maybe if mulan is successful they'll maybe we always talk about hollywood taking the wrong lessons from things but maybe one of the lessons (laughs) that they could take is like hey it actually benefits us to do something slightly different here and not give people you know just a a uh you know a copy of what they've already seen so um hopefully that that and the rating will um yeah, you know, uh, inform their decision making going forward. Yeah, I'm v- very curious to see how this does at the box office and how it's received, uh, you know, critically and by audiences. Because PG-13, you know, that that does shut out a, you know, a large bit of the audience that probably loves Mulan. You know, little kids and stuff like that. I, I mean, it's not R, so it's not like it's not like Birds of Prey where you're shutting off like you know a large part of the teenage audience but uh it's you know i i I feel like a character like mulan appeals to children so it's it's gonna be interesting to say the least anyways uh let's talk about another disney thing let's talk about pixar's onward uh the premiere of this happened last night in hollywood and the first early reactions hit the web is uh, pen is this 
another huge hit for Pixar, or is this another you know good dinosaur slump? <laughs> well, it remains to be seen how this thing is going to perform financially. But in terms of the critics and the early buzz, uh, it seems a little mixed so far. So uh, our friend Courtney Howard said that Pixar's Onward is essentially Pixar's version of About Time. It will make you ugly cry, especially hard-hitting for those who've lost someone dear. It's a heart-rending love letter to the magic of rediscovery and latent powers our uh, legacies hold. A percolating magical potion of humor and heart. So there are a lot of people who are positive on it. And then on the other side of things, uh, our old pal Jermaine Lucier said, If you're sensing Onward isn't quite up to the Pixar standard, you're right. It's beautiful and packs a huge emotional wallop, but for the most part, it's a standard road trip adventure that gets boosted by an excellent ending. It's good, not great, and that's a down for Pixar. Um, some other people were saying basically it's in the same vein as Zootopia, so your enjoyment will vary based on that. I actually kind of liked Zootopia, but uh, Eric Eisenberg, our friend from uh, Cinema, Cinema Blend, said, I can't say that I'm a big fan of Onward. These characters are fun. The message is strong. Uh, it also has a number of ideas that don't feel fully fleshed out, and it's surprisingly basic as far as the story goes. It has some cute and emotional moments, but didn't work for me overall. So, um, yeah, it sort of seems like a, a bit of a miss because generally when Pixar movies come out, people are like the praise is a little bit more universal than this. So for people to come, especially out of a, a world premiere uh, environment and um, say anything negative about uh, a Pixar movie seems like a sort of a rarity these days. Yeah. And uh you know, it, it just seems to me that, like, people aren't super excited to see this film. I know this is an original film from Pixar, and those films tend to do much less than, you know, the sequels that they've been churning out. But uh, it just seems like the trailers to the, to this film, like, it, it's a hard film to market. Like, the character designs look very DreamWorks. They look uh, not very exciting. And I, I, I know there's like a heart to this because I was at that original D23 presentation that director Dan Scanlon, who did Monsters University, came out on stage and talked about uh, finding, I think, a letter from his dad was the inspiration for this. And it, having seen some footage from the movie, it makes me think that there is something more to it than what we're seeing in, in the marketing. But like, mm -hmm. Ben, what is your thoughts on this? Like, are, are you excited to see Onward? I mean, yeah, I, I read that uh, report that you wrote from D23. So I know that there is a beating heart at the, at the center of this thing. And from, you know, I also love the movie About Time. So uh, Courtney's assessment that this is Pixar's version of that has me like a little curious about it. But I cannot say that the actual marketing of this movie has done anything to get me even remotely interested. Like you would think that a, a Pixar movie that has Chris Pratt and Tom Holland as like two of the main voices and like who Julia Louis-Dreyfus and like a bunch of other great people are involved in this thing. You would think that all of those things would like be would make this, you know, one of my most anticipated movies of the year. But I'm like not even sure if I'm going to see it in theaters. It's one of like, the, <laughs> oh, yeah, I'll check it out eventually because I'll be a Pixar completist. But, um, you know, I have I'm, I have no plans to rush out and see this. And it, it almost seems like Disney is promoting this film based on those actors, which is not usually something from the Pixar playbook. That's usually something we, you know, we saw. I guess from like the Jeffrey Katzenberg days of Disney and then it went out to DreamWorks and, you know, Disney animation does a bit of that. Uh, but usually Pixar is, you know, selling on the story. 
So it's 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 very very strange. I'm curious to see how well this is received by audiences. Uh, but let's let's move from Pixar to another division of Disney because Disney owns everything. Let's talk about Lucasfilm. Uh, they have announced today that Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker is going to be hitting Blu-ray in March. Chris, what do we know? Uh, yeah, so March 31st is the date for the Blu-ray release of The Rise of Skywalker. Uh, it'll be on digital March 17th. Um, also on the 31st, all of the, the Star Wars movies that haven't been released in 4K, which is all of them except um, The Last Jedi and uh, Solo, are finally getting 4K releases. And also, it looks like Best Buy is going to have um, an exclusive box set which is the entire skywalker saga uh so if you want that you have to go to best buy i'm sorry everyone they they still exist and they have like three <laughs> shelves in the entire store yeah and, and this box set looks insane but it's like one of those books do you, do you like the books box, box sets chris nah, you're a big nah, physical I, collector i'm not a fan of that because i can't really put it on a shelf like i had the Dark Knight trilogy, and it was like in the thing like this, where it's like a rectangle, like a long rectangle, and I couldn't like put that on any shelf. So I was like, yeah. "The hell with this!" I, I like sold it and just bought the films individually because I know people don't, normal people don't care about this, but people like me who are insane, they must have things organized <laughs> a certain way. So uh, yeah, are, are, what are the bonus features like on this? Are we going to get the uh, the infamous JJ cut? No, you're not going to get anything. You're going to get uh, it's you know just a bunch of behind the scenes things. And there's a the only feature right, that really stands out to me is there's one where it's it's all about John Williams reflecting on his work with the Star Star Wars saga, and annoyingly enough, that's only going to be a digital exclusive because I'm sure as most people know by now, most studios would love to be done with physical media entirely, and they would rather just release everything digital because they don't have to pay to get it made. And uh, more and more studios are doing things like this where they put stuff that, that seems really cool only on the digital copy, which is a bummer for people like me who still love physical media. But there you have it. Yeah, I, I do want to rant for a second. You know, I am the only one on this podcast that loved this movie. And I I think I might be the only one on this podcast that's still a fan of J.J. Abrams. Is that true? No, no I, don't, I don't like J.J. Abrams. This is honestly like... the this is the only movies, movie of his that I, I can say I didn't like. So I, I like J.J. Abrams. Okay, um, but I do have a rant against J.J. Abrams. Uh, he used to produce these movies that had incredible special features. Like, if you look at the original Star Trek, uh, the, the his remake of Star Trek, it had, like, so many special features. I, I think it had, like, a featurette on, like, the first A.D., and I'm not even joking. Like, there was a thing falling around the first A.D. for the day. Like, he used to, like, just pack his movies and like i i know he you know produced like mission impossible ghost protocol but like that has one of the best uh behind the scenes documentaries uh, on you know m- modern movies uh and it it's a shame because i feel like in recent years the mystery box of keeping everything secret has kept the special you know the people that produce these special features the behind the scenes docs out of the the mix like there's there's a documentary on the force awakens that's okay like it feels like it was made by someone that didn't get to see the whole movie (laughs) it seems so strange uh the last jedi which you know directed by uh ryan johnson has an incredible documentary but now with force uh, with uh the rise of skywalker 
we're back to like I don't know. One of these special features is like about Warwick Davis and his son. Like it's it seems like they like you know it's like what breadcrumbs can we give to people? Like it doesn't seem rewarding in any. Like there's no even there's there's no documentary on the making of the film. Like it's just like little featurettes. Chris, how do you feel about this? It's it is a, it is a bummer, and I honestly think, especially with this movie, there was so much. You know, talk about stuff that happened behind the scenes. Maybe they just don't want <laughs> a, a documentary about that because they couldn't really make it unless they wanted to highlight all that stuff. At the same time, I also wouldn't be surprised if like five, ten years from now, they double dip and release yet another like special, super special edition that has a bunch of stuff on it. So, you know, uh, th- that's my thought. Anytime a studio releases a big movie with almost nothing on its, its Blu-ray, I usually think that means sooner or later they're going to double dip. Yeah. And, and we're especially going to get a double dip, a dip on this uh, Skywalker saga set, right? Because they, they have to release those original theatrical editions at some point. Boy, and, I and, hope and, so. And, <laughs> the only way to get that, Chris, is you're going to have to buy this gigantic box set. You won't be able to buy them individually. Honestly, if they finally release a box set that has those original cuts, I will happily get that because <laughs> – I don't. I've I've avoided rewatching that original trilogy, even on you know Disney Plus, because I don't want to watch the special editions with all the goofy yeah. CGI stuff added into it. I just don't want that. I want the originals. And yes, I know before because many people are going to write in. I know I can get them illegally. I still want them. <laughs> I want the official illegal copy on my shelf. Yeah. Uh, do we know like this Blu-ray is arriving in March? Do we know when this is going to hit Disney Plus? Uh, I, I did, I don't have that info, but I'm sure it won't be that far behind just cause this probably, you know, isn't part of like deals where they had it streaming elsewhere. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's pretty quickly. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's move on to, uh, another story we have here. This is very interesting. Nathan Fielder of Nathan for you is teaming up with the people that made uncut gems for a new showtime series. Ben, tell us about it. Yeah, so the uh, Josh and Benny Safdie, who are the uh, brothers and the directing duo behind movies like Uncut Gems and Good Time, are teaming up with Nathan Fielder for a half-hour Showtime comedy called The Curse. And it is basically, it explores how an alleged curse disturbs the relationship of a newly married couple who star in Flipanthropy, their troubled HGTV show. So uh, Nathan Fielder and Benny Safty co-wrote the pilot, and they're going to star in the show. Um, Nathan is going to play the husband of this couple, and Benny Safty is going to be playing the producer of the fictional HGTV show within the show. Uh, and then the Safty brothers are going to be directing the series. It's unclear if they're just going to be directing uh, the pilot only or if they're going to be directing multiple episodes, probably just the pilot. That tends to be what happens when like big name people uh, come on board a show like this. So um, but it, it definitely sounds like, you know, they're going to have significant involvement in this thing. It seems like they they all like developed it together and it's going to be coming to Showtime. So that's another, uh, I guess, a, a good thing, a good move, a good get for Showtime, who, you know, I, I think in the era of PTV is like one of the uh, least interesting networks out there right now, I can say. So, um, yeah. What do you guys think about this? I'm, I'm kind of interested. It seems like to me like uh, Nathan Fielder and the Safties separately are both really good at crafting tension in totally different ways. 
but uh, <laughs> them joining forces seems like we could get something that's like super awkward, but also super like <laughs> intense and and like high stakes at the same time. I don't know, uh, Chris. Do you have any thoughts on this? Uh, I've never watched Nathan for you because I hear it's it's the type of it's like quote unquote cringe comedy. You know, stuff that's like designed to make you uncomfortable, and I really don't like that kind of comedy because it just makes me very anxious because I'm anxious by nature. I don't need to see things making me more anxious. Uh, at the same time, I do really love the Safdie brothers who make very anxious movies, but it's like a different sort of thing. So uh, I'm, I'm vaguely interested in this. Chris, you really don't think you'd like Nathan for you. I haven't, I, like I said, I haven't watched it, so I can't tell, but uh. everything I've read about it says it's, you know, it's really like that. It's all about like awkward humor. And, yeah, you know, it is awkward. I, and I just I I can't you know, my my I just can't stomach that. It makes me very <laughs> nervous. Well, I'm excited to see what comes of th- these, I guess, three people coming together because it, I don't even understand. Like, I can't even imagine what, what kind of product of a, a, a comedy series that they're going to produce with this. But uh, I'm excited, I guess, with Homeland coming to an end, finally. Uh, Showtime has some money in their original series budget to uh, make some interesting stuff. So. Although they've been dumping so much money into that Halo show that uh, I'm surprised that the entire like cable channel or you know premium <laughs> channel isn't bankrupt at this point. But yeah, good point. Good point. <laughs> okay, let, let's talk about Halloween Kills, uh, Chris. I know you're very excited uh, for the you know you're a big fan of the Halloween series. You loved the last Halloween reboot. They're making the sequel and. Uh, it seems like they're 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 saying that this is going to be bigger and better, and it's going to be huge. Does that scare you? Uh, I don't know if I would say it scares me, but I'm I'm you know I'm <laughs> I'm curious. You know, these quotes they come from Jason Blum, who is of course not a uh, a partial. <laughs> he he's not someone who's going to you know be like ah this movie sucks. So he's producing yeah. the movie, so he's obviously only going to say good things about it, but. Um, according to him, uh, the new film Halloween Kills, which is due out uh, this year, is is ver- quote very large and quote a very big movie. Uh, in another interview, he said Halloween Kills feels like a complete movie. There's a first, second, and third act, which is really true of most movies. So that's really not that exciting of a quote, Jason Blum. You should probably <laughs> work on that a bit well, more. I think people are getting to the the idea of like, is this going to be like another sequel, right? Right. Well, yeah, that quote, what he's really saying is, because um, there's another movie coming after Halloween Kills called Halloween Ends. And the, the quote is really about him saying, this this upcoming sequel Halloween Kills is going not going to be open ended even though you know there is a movie after it they're not going to like leave it on a cliffhanger at least that's what it sounds like he's saying I know it always worries me when I hear a filmmaker or producer say that like the sequel is going to be much bigger and more epic than the previous one especially with something like this I feel like the reason the last Halloween movie worked so well was kind of the contained nature of it uh like how how can you blow up mike myers or michael myers on on a bigger scale anyways like how how is that even going to work uh i don't know <laughs> i don't know like yeah the, you know halloween in general is is a you know a small franchise it's very self-contained so i don't really know what could be bigger the only thing i can think of is the fact that this halloween kills is bringing back a bunch of 
original characters from the first movie. And that's, I'm, that's what I'm guessing he's referring to, but I, I don't know what else it could be. I mean, I just feel like when, when reading the, this quote, it's almost like, you know, you could replace the name Jason Blum with like Colin Trevorrow and he could be talking about Jurassic World 3. I mean, it's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Anyways, uh, let's move on to our last and final story for today. Uh, That is about the Falcon and Winter Soldier. This is the series coming to Disney Plus from Marvel Studios. And we have gotten a bit of casting news today. Ben, what do we know? Yeah. So Deadline reports that Carl Lumley has joined the cast of the series. So there's no official confirmation about who he's going to be playing, but there is some speculation that he may be playing uh, Isaiah Bradley. So uh, before we get to that, uh, Carl Lumley is an actor. You might recognize him from he played uh, Dick Halloran in Dr. Sleep uh, last year. He, I guess, has has been on uh, Supergirl for a little while on the CW. So you might recognize him from that. Personally, I remember him from his days on Alias back in the day. He played uh, CIA agent Marcus Dixon, who was the partner of uh, Jennifer Garner's character in that show. So um, anyway, he's going to be playing or, or we think he might be playing this character named Isaiah Bradley, who in the comics is basically uh, the original Captain America. He's like one of these guys who there was some uh, some experimentation going on with the super soldier serum that turned Steve Rogers into the Captain America that we know today. But uh, it turns out that in the comics there were like h- hundreds of black soldiers who were being experimented on uh, around you know World War II time and uh, Isaiah Bradley was like one of the sole survivors of this round of experimentation and he sort of like became the first Captain America and then like essentially became like a um I don't know like almost like an underground legendary hero for black characters in the MCU it's almost like he he doesn't exist to a lot of people he's not well known but he's known you know and in, in sort of like whispers and like people talk about him in, in hushed tones like that kind of thing so uh theoretically that character could still be around in the mcu um we're guessing that maybe like falcon uh, played by uh, anthony mackie who could you know maybe uh, encounter this character in some way so again this is all just like speculation because carl lumley seems like uh, he would be, you know, a good fit for that kind of role. And we're not sure who else he would really fit uh, in terms of like the characters yeah. that we know or who are going to be in the Falcon and Winter Soldier. But it seems like a, a cool way to uh, continue some, you know, like bringing like real world race issues into a superhero property because the backstory of that character, you know, being experimented on is actually like, uh, I guess, reflective of these Tuskegee syphilis studies that were done on real soldiers back in the day too. So, you know, in the same way that black Panther touched on, you know, actual race relations in the U S and, and, you know, globally and all that stuff and, and sort of like brought um, serious issues in an organic way into a comic book property. I feel like uh, Falcon and the winter soldier could do similar things by incorporating the Isaiah Bradley character. If that's the direction they choose to go. Yeah, that that's, that sounds very promising. Uh, Chris, I know you are the person on this podcast that's least interested in the Marvel stuff. Does this excite you more to see this series, or you're just not interested as a whole? I mean, I am not familiar with this character at all, but based on what Ben said, that actually sounds fairly interesting. So if I, you know, I might check it out. Although I, I think of all the Marvel shows, the one I'm most interested in is WandaVision, just because it looks so weird and different and i'm in the mood for something different but uh i'm sure i'll give all these shows a chance whenever they arrive very cool okay 
that does it for today on Slash Film Daily. You can find more of all of our work at SlashFilm.com. You can find links to the stories we mentioned on today's podcast there as well. You can find this podcast published every weekday on iTunes, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send us your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at Peter at SlashFilm.com. And rate and read this podcast on iTunes. Tell your friends. Spread the word. We'll see you tomorrow.